Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is Ali McLean, who is a holistic nutritionist, and I'm excited to dive into all of the different aspects of her career and what she's done to date. So welcome, Ali. Thank you so much for being here and joining us. Hi, Shana. Thank you so much for having me too. It's great to be here. It's my absolute pleasure. So let's kick off by talking a little bit about how you got started in the nutrition space. <laughs> how long have you got for this question? Um, I guess for me, nutrition has been something that I've always been interested in. You know, I can remember as a teenager, um, I guess, watching my mother and looking at the diet that she was on. So that was probably the first sort of um, in, like, like first point of being interested in nutrition. But then I guess it, it evolved from there. I started watching, you know, the athletes at school and footy players in AFL and really started to ponder, like, I wonder what these people are eating and I wonder if what they ate would change how they performed on any given day. And uh, I then remember sitting down with my careers count, careers um, counsellor or my guidance counsellor um, sort of at the start of year 12 or end of year 11. I sort of forget when you do that. Um, and we were talking about different degrees and she highlighted there was this degree like health science. You could look at exercise science and nutrition. And I just thought, oh my God, this, like, how is it possible that there's a university degree where I can like delve right into nutrition and exercise science? Um, so that I guess is like where it all started for me. And then really there's been a long journey between, you know, the age of you know, 15, 16, 17, and to now I'm, I'm 34 and now practicing as a nutritionist and have been for around about four years now. Um, so a very long journey, but that's, I guess that was my entry point to nutrition, just being interested as a teenager, then going into st- to study it straight after school and then sort of working my way through various areas of the industry since then. Yeah, amazing. So let's start a little bit with your time at uni. So you studied at Deakin. How did you find your experience there? Um, my time at Deakin was a good one. I guess you could perhaps describe me as a fairly um, not disengaged, but I wasn't that university student that was looking to go to all of the university parties and like wanting to be on campus for as, as many hours as possible. I was sort of in doing my lectures and tutes and then I was out again. Um, I had a few key friends from school who came and did, um, they did exercise science, but we try and like overlapped our schedules a bit so we could do a lot of our um, lectures together. So I really enjoyed that part of it. In hindsight, I should have had far more respect for the lecturers that that I had access to whilst I was at university. At the time, I think I sort of appreciated that, yeah, they must have worked pretty hard to get to where they were. Um, But if I went back to university as a more mature age student, I would like sit at the front of the lecture theatre. I would be standing back at the end of class to ask questions. Um, I'd definitely be... uh, far more appreciative of who was standing in front of me there there, uh, on the stage of the lecture theatre. 
I loved the practical sessions. So I loved doing, having the opportunity to do testing. Um, you know, I still very clearly remember the day we did VO2 max testing and that, you know, still for me is an amazing opportunity that I had that I can bring into my consults. So, you know, I can speak with experience when I'm speaking to clients about the potential for going and doing, um, you know, VO2 max testing and body comp testing and, and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah. I really enjoyed uni. I did work hard at uni, but I definitely didn't immerse myself in some of the opportunities that I think if I was there as a mature student that I would, that I would do. Yeah. 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 That's totally fair enough. Um, And we were speaking a little bit before about the difference between Deakin and Endeavour where I went and how you guys don't have that practical um, clinical side of things. Do you guys focus more on the theory and then you sort of um, do your own practical stuff once you've graduated or how does that work? Yeah. So I guess like this is perhaps the difference between the industry now and like, you know, 12 years ago when I graduated is that I don't think there really was Endeavour or Southern School of Natural Medicine back then. It was Mm -hmm. you either do dietetics or yeah. you do something like a health science and a food or a food and nutrition science and you work your way into nutrition that way. So, you know, if there was Endeavour or Southern School, they were very small. Yes. Um, like I can't remember sort of categorically if they were available, but it wasn't certainly something that came up in conversations with my careers counsellor, for example. Yeah. Um, so at Deakin, yeah, it was a lot of theory, um, you know, I'd, I did exercise science and nutrition, so two majors. So I was sort of splitting my time between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we did do diet and disease. We did do dietary pres- prescription and um, those sorts of subjects, but there wasn't clinical. So there was no prerequisite to have done certain number of clinical hours before finishing your degree. We did work experience. So I took oh, myself cool. off for, I think, a week of work experience with a dietitian at Epworth Hospital. Um, yeah. And that made me want to run a mile from <laughs> doing um, from doing dietetics because my intention during university was to go on to do my master's to then register with the Dietetics Association. And that experience at Epworth was for me like alarm bells. You do not, you don't want to be in this setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made it really challenging for me because I, I sort of got to the end of my degree and I thought, what, am I, what on earth am I going to do? You know, <laughs> um, I got, I got an opportunity with a gym, like a local gym who um, wanted me on board as a membership sales consultant and they said you can also start doing nutrition consults as well and um I was so intimidated I I didn't know how I was going to consult with people I had done a little bit of development like I found a course through the nutrition society um that offered like a couple of days course on coaching and prescription and so I'd taken the like structure that they gave me and I think I did a couple of sessions at the gym but I was really, I, I was young to start school, which meant I was young to finish school, young to finish uni. I think I, I would have just been 20 perhaps when I finished uni. And so I just, I was so intimidated. I, I couldn't see at all how I was going to start consulting with people when I started working at that gym. So I think I had a couple mm-hmm. of consults there mm-hmm. and that was about it. Mm. Yeah, well. So yeah, so a university like like Deakin or if you went to RMIT and did health sciences, 
uh, it, it is a, quite a different syllabus to what you're getting at something like Endeavour or Southern School of Natural Medicine. And so whilst, you know, Deakin is so very popular for health sciences, if you do want to become a nutritionist and you want to practice one-on-one, um, I'd, I'd really consider looking at somewhere like Southern School or Endeavour now. Mm. Yeah, interesting. But it's great that you have sort of gone and done that further development and you are at the point now where you are consulting and yeah, I'm keen to hear what's happened in that, did you say 12 years <laughs> since? Yes, I think I graduated in 06 or 07, one of those two. Yeah. yeah wow. Um, so a little while ago, it makes me sound a lot older than I feel. Um, so yeah, so I've, I was working at that gym and mm-hmm. I guess trying to start doing nutrition, but I was so intimidated and didn't have any mentors in the space. Yeah. Um, and I think like everybody, I was going through a bit of a sort of, you know, I was staring down the fork, fork in the road, like, what do I do here? Um, and so I was just like hunting around on seek and I found this little company that was founded by a dietitian that, um, had done his masters at Deakin. So I thought, right, this guy looks like he's no, he knows what he's doing. He started a company in corporate health. I'm going to try and get a job there. I didn't really care what the job was. I just wanted to work with this, this guy and his name was Shane Billsborough. Um, he had a company called the global corporate challenge. I managed to weasel my way in there because because corporate health wasn't even that massive back in, I think, 2007 or 2008 when I was applying for these jobs. And um, yeah. certainly one-on-one nutrition consulting wasn't, wasn't the industry that it is today either. So yeah. finding this company that he had started for me was really exciting. And just I just wanted to follow, follow someone that was obviously making um, headways in the area of dietetics and nutrition. So... Yeah. Um, landed this role at global corporate challenge mm-hmm. um, I, w- I wasn't practicing nutrition at all i was actually in accounts receivable god knows how i got a job in accounts receivable because admin is not my strong <laughs> suit at all um, but i did i got i got that role sorry it's a good way in <laughs> yeah yep exactly i think they just saw how passionate i was about working in working in the space and yeah. it was it was just the best thing I, I think going there and working at Global Corporate Challenge. I um, had this this mentor in Shane Billsborough who was a dietitian. Um, I had these other founders of the business with a, bar, a background in marketing yeah. um, and creative, and it just meant I got exposure to the these at the time it was three individuals who were both doing who were all doing such great things in their respective areas like creative marketing and business development and then also dietetics uh, and nutrition and global corporate challenge was a very small business at that time so we had about eight or maybe ten employees globally Um, and so I was accounts receivable, but I saw every aspect of that business, you know, decision-making processes, marketing, web development, um, business development, accounting. I saw it all. And yeah. that that's such a cool thing about working at a small startup company. Yeah. Uh, and also because we, we, we worked with, well, at the time we, we had probably about 40 or 50 corporate clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time I finished, we had hundreds and hundreds of different businesses that were using our program and um, almost a million individuals who were using our program around the world. So I got all of this insight into 
what's happening in businesses? What's happening to individuals working in the corporate space? What are their challenges? Why can't they exercise? Why can't they eat well? Uh, and so just awesome business experience working there at the Global Corporate Challenge, but also amazing insights into what are the, 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 the struggles and trials that individuals are facing who, you know, today are my clients. Yeah. But I got, I guess, broad scale insight into what's going on. So when I started there, there were about eight or 10 employees. When I left there, there were about 140, 150 wow. employees. <laughs> so I got to be part of this quick, quickly growing, um, very successful, very inspiring business, which um, developed me with some wonderful business skills, gave me exposure to some amazing mentors mm-hmm. uh, and ultimately sort of primed me to, to go on and, and do what I wanted to do right when I was a teenager, which is to, to start to practice one-on-one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That yeah. would have been such a valuable experience. Sounds it like was. I got so much. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I did. I, I learned a lot. I got to travel a lot as well. So um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I looked after various areas within Australia. So I looked after WA in South Australia for a period of time. I looked after New South Wales. I moved to the US and I worked on the east coast of the US for about eight months looking after our, looking after our clients and business development um, across the east coast there. Um, cool. I learned how to manage teams so I got, I got wonderful experience and I, yeah. although I, I was working in business development there, yep. but in business development, I was consulting with health and wellness and HR within the, the corporates. So yep. I was consulting with them about elements of, you know, their wellness programs yep. and then also did seminars and presentations. So I do seminars and presentations on nutrition and exercise for those clients as part of the program. Oh, mm. what a great mix. Yeah, it was a really wonderful mix. And, you know, working as a consultant now and running my own small business, that's why I think that experience at Global Corporate Challenge, or that's why I highlight that that experience at Global Corporate Challenge was so valuable is because uh, when you work for yourself, like you do have to know how to be accounts receivable, outgoing, incoming, you know, you have to be able to do all of it when you're working for yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. So interesting. And so how did that evolve into you going on to start your own business and um, working with a natural nutritionist and all those other roles you've had since as well? Yeah. So um, I, I think I I got to almost seven or so years at Global Corporate Challenge. I know it was almost seven because I just missed out on long service leave. So to anybody, (laughs) almost seven years as a company, stay there and get your long service leave. Um, But no, I was itching to get out of there. I'd been there since I was very young and I wanted to want to see if the grass was greener. Like I thought I I couldn't get it really any better than working at, at that company. And I thought, well, I better jump now and start to see what, what life's like on the other side. Yeah. And I actually wanted to go and work for a larger company to see what it was like to work for a large company. So I took a bit of a um, a sidestep and I started working for the Red Cross Blood Service, looking after their corporate partnerships um, team nationally, which again, great business insights because I got to start working there and worked alongside their marketing team and got really involved in um, some of the marketing campaigns that that they were pushing out um, nationally and with our corporate partnerships team. So 
a wonderful business experience, but I realized after about a year there that I was, I was moving too far away from my core passion, which was working in nutrition and health. And I had, I had met Steph Lowe, who's the founder of the natural nutritionist actually at the global corporate challenge. So I helped to get her a job at the global corporate challenge. Um, and we have, we've been friends ever since then. And when I was working at the Red Cross blood services at all, like, I'm not happy. I'm actually looking at doing a course with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when she said, well, great. Like you can come and start doing some recipe development for the natural nutritionist. And um, uh, that was really it. I, I moved over to the natural nutritionist, started studying again mm-hmm. and really immersed myself at that point. So lots of um, reading online tutorials, doing that Institute of Integrative Nutrition course. Mm -hmm. uh, And that would, that was probably four or five years ago now and just um, have really, really evolved since then. I think I was still a little bit unsure of consulting one-on-one when I first started working at The Natural Nutritionist, but I, I, I started very gradually. So I started seeing a couple of clients, you know, three or five a week, um, which meant that I haven't had enough time to like, you know, review their cases extensively before every appointment, you know, (laughs) pulling out my textbooks and (laughs) watching different webinars and getting prepared for what I was going to give, what I was going to talk to them about. Um, And then, you know, three or five clients a week became five or 10 clients a week and, um, and just grew from there. Yeah, amazing. And so when you started there, were you contracting or were you like a casual or how did that? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I've always contracted for the natural nutrition. That was just my personal decision and and an agreement that we came to. Um, So contracting with the natural nutritionist and that was some consulting as well as some other things behind the scenes as we've talked about. So doing some recipe development, uh, managing the podcast. Mm -hmm. So um, Steph has run a podcast, I think since 2014, it was called the real food real. It's just transitioned over to the health happiness and humankind podcast. Um, and also just helping a little bit with some partnership activity for the natural nutritionist as well. So because I wasn't seeing, uh, you know, what we'd call sort of a full book or caseload, when I first started working for the natural nutritionist, I was doing quite a number of other things as well. Yeah. Well, that's good though, that you got to do a few different things and it sounds like you're passionate about all those different areas too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're all, um, there are wonderful experiences which just help to build your skill set. You yeah. know, we, we live in a day and age where you can't afford to um, say I'm a nutritionist and that's, uh, I, I practice one-on-one and that's all I do because, yeah. uh, you know, if you want to develop and grow and have uh, I ultimately, I think, a profitable business, then yeah. you've really got to know how to be able to manage the behind the scenes of a business or do the things that help to grow a business or get awareness of a business And so, yeah, like taking on opportunities to do extra things, even though it might not be directly sort of in the the one-on-one consulting, if that's what you want to get into, um, developing your skill set is really important. Yeah, definitely. And so when you started developing the recipes with um, Steph, did you have a previous, uh, any previous experience doing that? Or was that just something you were personally passionate about? How did that sort of come about? 
Good question. Um, I had never, uh, I guess I'd never categorically in my mind said I want to be a recipe developer. I have always had a vision of, of having a book, having a, having a recipe book. That's probably something that I sort of planted in my mind when I was living in the U S in 2011. Mm-hmm. And then I think ever seeing Sarah Wilson's I quit sugar book. I don't know if you've read that, but it's just this beautiful like artwork. Yeah. Um, and so sort of sort of since 2011 I've sort of envisaged having a cookbook and mm-hmm. I guess when you've got a cookbook you've got to create some recipes yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah I've always been playing around with recipes but then when I started at uh, the natural nutritionist we had I guess a structure for recipes in terms of a macronutrient profile that we was that we were looking for and uh, you know each week we'd sort of sit down and debrief on what recipes do we want to deliver in the next month mm-hmm. and you know, we'd go away and start working on them. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything more intricate to it than that, but that's how we went about it. Then I went about it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. a good way to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the IAN course you did, because I am quite interested in that. And I, in the past, have also looked at doing that to sort of further yeah. my studies. Um, what do you find like the difference between that and the actual degree you did was, and was it beneficial doing both of them? Was it good sort of to bring in more of that coaching side, particularly because at Deakin there isn't the, um, one-on-one clinical aspect or yeah. Tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah. Um, absolutely. It, it, it is something that goes really or layers really nicely with the undergraduate that I did at Deakin yeah. because of the coaching side of things. Yeah. So IIN, um, uh, I guess you leave there, they say that you're an integrative health coach yeah. um, and anybody that leaves there can say that. But um, I think, I don't know. I think that the, the course on its own is probably a bit limiting, mm-hmm. but the course coupled with an undergraduate science degree, I think is a, yeah. is a wonderful combination because it does go through the coaching side of things. So how to structure consultations, um, how to work with people on goal setting and the psychological side of things. So working with eating disorders, working with um, uh, binge eating and, going through a lot of the processes yourself. So there's a lot of practical elements of do an elimination diet yourself, not not because you have to do one, but do it. So you know what it feels like when you're prescribing it to a client. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Learning about different diets again, not because you necessarily need to be on the gaps diet or the low FODMAP diet, but so you know what it feels like when you're prescribing those to a client. Yeah. It's very, so there's a lot of emphasis on digestive health, a lot of emphasis on um, food sustainability, mm-hmm. um, a lot of emphasis on or, or opening up to things like plant-based nutrition, whole food nutrition, paleo. So it's all, it was far more modern than I would say the degree that I did at Deakin as well. So yeah. the two were perfect because Deakin gave me the undergrad experience, understanding of what good research looks like and human biology and chemistry. But then IIN helped to give me that real person, like how to be a nutritionist, a one-on-one practicing nutritionist, I would say. Yeah, and interesting. 
The other thing that IIN offers, offers is also the business side of things. So whilst you're going through the 12-month course, there's almost like this personal coaching that you're going through. So every week there is a, there's, there's 10 weeks of like material, sorry, 10 hours of material each week. Yep. And that's into you as a health coach, like knowledge building so that you can coach people. Yeah. And that's on nutrition and also coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also the building you as an individual. So how oh, are good. you going with your own health goals and how are you going with building your business goals? And yeah. here are the resources that you might need to build a website or make some flyers or create a business card or reach out to uh, other businesses who could help find you clients. So there's the idea for people that are going to be health coaches is that in leaving IIN, you've got like this one-stop shop of how to be a health coach and how to grow a health coaching business. Amazing. That's so good that they combine that business side, because I think that is one thing that is lacking a bit in the degrees. You're not taught how to go out and create your own business. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been invaluable. Yeah. And again, I have had a lot of experience in, in, growing business of course so yeah. that's not necessarily that that's not necessarily something that was unfamiliar to me for me yeah. uh, the the real like clincher with IIN was the coaching yeah. um and the holistic element of it so you know we would do lectures on how to take people through deep breathing exercises oh, so cool which is so important for helping somebody with digestive issues and bloating and IBS or yeah. somebody that's stressed and can't sleep so those sorts of things that my god we never would have learned about a deacon yeah. Um, so yeah, really nice compliment, like compliment to, to something like the health sciences course at Deakin. Um, yeah. it certainly would, I, I certainly don't think it's the ideal standalone course, but certainly as a complimentary, it's really yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. And the resources, like some of the resources I still tap into oh, that's still awesome. some lectures and seminars that I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to tap back into that today. And learn from Liz Lipsky on the digestive system, like just as a bit of a refresher. Mm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It sounds like a brilliant way to tie that all together. Yeah, it was, I think there's a whole, I think there's a lot of those courses now. Yeah. And so it might be intimidating for people that are sifting through them. Mm-hmm. I, I can imagine it would be intimidating for people that are sifting through them. Yeah. It's, I think understanding what your intention is in going into the course you're not going to come out of IIN probably with any more clinical knowledge than you would have coming out of Endeavor Mm -hmm. but yeah you'd have some wonderful softer skills which would help you in your coaching and as anybody listening who has started to practice one-on-one in the space like there is so much more coaching involved in being a nutritionist than you might originally have anticipated and also so much navigation. And maybe this is one of the reasons why it's so intimidating coming out of university because you have to navigate somebody who's got three kids, who has a relationship that isn't going so well, who has a job that they don't like, who needs to travel, who doesn't have time to shop. You know, there's so many things that people are juggling that you can't come in as their nutritionist with this pie-in-the-sky version of what their diet's going to look like or this pie-in-the-sky version of exactly what supplements they need to be on. So you have to have have that, I guess, that softer skill and ability to... um, help navigate all of those challenges on the other side 
Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Ultimately, what we prescribe to someone in clinic is all well and good, but if it's not practically feasible for them in their (laughs) lifestyle, then they're never going to make any progress and neither of you then achieve your ultimate goal. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So my next question is, when you graduated uni, did you sort of know you wanted to go into that one-on-one consulting space or did you have any idea of what your career was going to look like? Obviously, you were approached by the gym and you um, did go into some consulting, but was that the goal to get to where you are now or what was your idea back then? I always wanted to be a sports nutritionist. That was my goal (laughs) when I was at university. (laughs) to be a sports nutritionist yeah but there were a couple of couple of things that happened along the way that really quashed that initial dream number one my partner at the time was an AFL player and I think maybe two or three players in the team saw their team dietitian so I was a bit like mystified and like how do you guys like you're you're like supposed to be the most professional athletes in the country and you don't even go and see the dietitian that you've got um so I was a bit perplexed by that Mm -hmm. and also there were, I think at the time, maybe only 25 or 30 like registered sports dietitians. Okay. And, um, I, and I knew that they spent a lot of time in labs and that just was, I wasn't really interested in doing that. Yes. Yeah. I, I still always knew that I wanted to practice one-on-one with people. That was always sort of the vision that I had. Yeah. Um, and doing speaking and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think the experience at Global Corporate Challenge, like the business side of things and also just learning about the, you know, the, the wide world out there of people and what they're going through, juggling work and life and health, yeah. that was obviously a, a lot of learning that helped to, I guess, prepare me for, for working with people one-on-one in the nutrition space. Mm-hmm. But also I went through so much of my own journey, my own health journey during that time. Yeah. So um, I, I am a runner. I was a runner and, you know, I decided to build from doing half marathons to full marathons and started working with a, a coach to, to do those, those full marathons. So I got that experience of, um, what it's like to have a coach and to to follow the plan, and I also had my my own challenges that I was really starting to work through. You know, I had always had IBS symptoms, and you know, dealt with some pretty significant things like gastritis as a twenty one year old, and recurring thrush as a twenty twenty one year old, twenty two year old, um, and so wasn't until sort of my later 20s when I really started to unpack those things and get a lot of testing done and really start to um, try different diets, try different practices, interventions. Yeah. Uh, and just all of these experiences which helped to prepare me to practice one-on-one in, as a nutritionist mm-hmm. in a way that I definitely wasn't pre- I wasn't prepared to practice one-on-one when I finished university. And I think that's why ultimately I shied away from it when I finished university. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny how it all happens like that, isn't it? All those stepping stones. Well, well, exactly. And it's definitely like a parting message to leave with people is to um, is to go with what feels right in the moment, like go with your heart. And if you're ever stuck with making a decision, like what do you want to do tomorrow? 
what yeah. is going to make you feel excited about getting up out of bed tomorrow? Do that because chances are if you're excited about what you're doing tomorrow, then that will lead you to the next day and the next month and the year after that and you'll, you'll find yourself in the right position, you know, like as opposed to thinking so far down the track that you're caught up with where you'll be in five years as opposed to, well, what are all the cool things that could happen along the way yeah. um, that feel right, that enthuse me, that light me up? Yeah, I love and, that so much. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's one of the hard things in, in leaving uni is that if you don't know where you want to be in five years, then you feel lost as to what you're going to do tomorrow. So just focus on what you want to do tomorrow. Like tomorrow is obviously a bit of a metaphor, but focus on, on what's going to enthuse you and light you up in the short term because chances are it'll take you to where you want to be in the long term. Yeah. you still got to have a vision. You still have got to have this like broad scale vision of what do I want to do do be feel yeah but um sometimes you can't always plan for how you're going to get to that end vision so just focus on like I said what's going to enthuse you and light you up tomorrow yeah that is such good advice (laughs) hopefully (laughs) it's it's tended to work for me over the years um there was something else you asked me, which, oh yeah. The other thing I was, uh, the other sort of, I guess, bit part of imparting knowledge that I would share with people is mm-hmm. to like, make sure you also immersing yourself in your own health journey, Yeah, you know, because if, if you are going to be prescribing challenging uh, elimination protocols to clients or you're going to be prescribing certain supplements to clients I think it's really nice to have experienced what that's like for yourself yeah you might not have any crippling issues that you need to deal with but you could certainly trial some of those things just so you can like sit on the same side as the table metaphorically with your clients when they're going through the challenges of you know removing dairy for the first time or what it feels like for them to have a magnesium supplement for the first time you know definitely you can't you can't you can't always experience what your clients experience you know you might not always take every supplement that you're going to prescribe um but it's nice as much as possible to try and go on your own really in-depth health journey so you can empathize with your clients when they're going on theirs yeah, I think that's really important and it allows you to better help them because you know exactly what they're in for. Like I remember at uni, it was sort of like we were telling people don't have this or have this instead, but we weren't necessarily giving them the like the recipes or the tools because we hadn't been through that and we hadn't actually had experience with that. Whereas if you try a diet and you're like, oh, here are some recipes I used when I was trying this diet this is what you can do. So rather than just being like, oh, don't eat these things, <laughs> you can like walk them through it and you've had that, yeah, firsthand experience and are able to better help them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I can tell you that where I go wrong when I'm consulting with clients, not to focus on the negative, but I know I've gone wrong when I've brushed over what are potentially the hard bits for them, but I've forgotten that that's the hard bit. Yeah. You know, like for me, Gluten hasn't been part of my my life for a very long time. When yep. I first started consulting with people, I disengaged with that. So I was like, you know, you're going to have to go gluten-free for a couple of weeks. 
um, and hadn't really, in the early stages, hadn't really, um, I guess, acknowledged what a significant prescription that is to give to somebody who's never done that before. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you you do have to constantly try and be as um, connected to what that individual is potentially going to go through when they're trying to put into place what you're advising them. Because I can tell you what, tell you that you get such better results when you do. You would absolutely. Um, Yeah, Yeah. and time and time again, I have clients who've come to me after having worked with another nutritionist or another dietitian or another naturopath, Mm -hmm. uh, and they say, "I got given a handout on how to go low low FODMAP, but nothing else." Yeah, that's why I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) I, I got told to do something, but I didn't get any advice on how to do wow. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And so important. that's always a good reminder for me when I have someone come in and they've explained why they've left their previous nutritionist or naturopath. Yeah. It's a good reminder. Like, yes, Ellie, don't forget what sometimes seems like the, the mundane, like, why would you pay yeah. someone to tell you that sort of stuff? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And cause we're so immersed in it. We do forget sometimes yeah. we're like, Oh, we just know it. It's like second nature to us, but these people mm. are coming to us not knowing what we know. So we do have to yeah. really just hold their hand and walk them through it and yeah. put ourselves in their shoes, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not be afraid to come back to basics as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. some in the early days I thought, well, someone's not going to pay me X dollars for me to tell them they need two liters of water a day. Um, But like, holy crap, if someone isn't drinking their standard two liters of water a day and they're complaining of fatigue and cravings and poor quality sleep, then you can't turn a blind eye to them. You can change their life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cool. Coming back to the basics is always a good thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know of the listener base what the what the end goal is for the vast majority? Is it practicing one on one? I think it's deciding what their options are because I know based on Endeavor, we didn't really get told so much what we can do with our degree. So I think Mm. what I aim to do here and what I've got a lot of feedback about is people not knowing their options. So that's why I talk to people in all different um, career pathways to show the options and also give practical advice of how they got there, what they would recommend, what they would change if they went back and all that sort of stuff. So it's, yeah, Yeah. it's for anyone who sort of is a bit unsure. And then once they do know what they want to do, gaining all the expertise and knowledge from people in that field or even even other fields um, that applies to them and can help with their career growth and progression. Yeah. And that's why, like, I love this podcast. And when, um, and when I saw your post, I was like, yeah, I want to be on the podcast because, I, yeah, when I started university and I wasn't doing dietetics, I, th- I thought I was on a road to nowhere. Yeah. I really thought that I had made like a massive mistake in life because I wasn't going to be a dietitian when I finished my university degree. So then how was I going to work with teaching people about how and what to eat? It's amazing how if you come back to what I said before which is like what's going to excite you tomorrow how that can sometimes just have a funny way of bringing you back around to to where you're supposed to be Mm, so true yeah but yeah it it is hard because there's not a lot of there isn't a clear-cut path for nutritionists it's not like going and doing a medical degree degree and come out and you're a doctor that's probably actually a bad bad 
example because there's so many different ways you can go after doing a medical degree but um but there's a lot more jobs that's one of the big things there are fields it's kind of like there's not as many jobs so a lot of the time we are sort of going into our own businesses and building up our own things and there's always new jobs coming up but it is yeah a lot of it can be self-initiated yeah yeah and that's that is true as well you know the the sort of I guess the established career opportunities might be going and working with a food and beverage manufacturer for example or it might be going and working with an online program or going and working in a clinic um but it might take a little experience in any one of those if you do want to build up to doing um, public speaking or writing or consulting one-on-one. Yeah. And like, that's where listening to, listening to podcasts, like this is fantastic. So you, so you can get feedback from different people and what they've done. I yeah. think your own work experience, mm-hmm. you know, working for me, that work experience that I did at Epworth, I didn't love it, but, my God, it really helped to shape where my efforts and attention went to after that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think knew I didn't so want to work in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important that we try all sorts of things, whether we like it or not, because then if we don't like it, we know, oh, we don't want to do that. So that was so beneficial and instrumental in your career pathway. Cause yeah. if you hadn't had that experience, you might've gone on to study dietetics and you might've ended exactly. up in a hospital job and then would have been like, oh, wow, I, I don't want to do this. But this yeah. sort of like prevented that. And it sort of, yeah. yeah, saved you up front. Precisely. And yeah. like I've done some I've done some mentoring with, with people who sort of asked me about what my day looks like. And yeah. I feel like sometimes it scared them off. But <laughs> like good, like ask the questions that are gonna help yeah. you understand whether it's whether it's where you want to go and, and what you want to do. Yeah, that actually brings me really well into the next question. <laughs> what does your typical day, and I know there won't be a typical day because I'm sure it's different all the time, but if you had to describe yeah. some of your core roles and how you structure that in what you currently do, what would a typical day yeah, typical <laughs> day, like? yeah. Um, no day actually looks the same, which I am so grateful for. Like, yeah. I'm a bit of, I am a routine person, but I um, or a structured person, person I should say, but I don't want every day to look the same. Yeah. Um, not at all. I think that's why I like doing business development for so long. So I was on the road, I was there, I was here, I was speaking to that person, I was doing this thing, I had to be speaking one afternoon and, you know, doing lots of different stuff. And so no day is the same for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my week is structured, so I consult... Um, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and every second Saturday. Yeah. And so when I'm consulting, the, the day is, is pretty well taken. Like um, it's usually about eight, eight hours worth of consulting with a few breaks there. So mm-hmm. my consulting days are usually sort of 10 to 12 hours of work. Wow. It would be like checking my inbox in the morning and making sure that there's no sort of urgent um, queries um then it will be sort of getting my head in the space of of consulting um and then at the end of the day it'll also be just making sure that there's nothing urgent in my inbox that needs to be looked after um prior the day before consulting i always set aside a couple of hours to prepare for the next day so Mm -hmm. that might be reading articles it might be watching like a quick webinar reviewing my client cases and just um, reviewing test results, making sure I'm sort of set to go for the next day because consults are, are back to back. 
Um, And just like you would a meeting agenda. So I set myself like a little agenda for each consult to know that, okay, we've got to revisit that, come here and set that up. Mm -hmm. Um, The day after consulting is always a couple of hours putting together the client's notes. So every client gets um, a document with what we've talked about in the session and what their, what their objectives are following that session, whether it be tweaks to their dietary protocol, introduction of new supplements, changes to supplements, testing they need to get done, reading they need to do, lifestyle practices they need to put into place. Yeah. Um, there will then be, uh, I guess, any sort of extras, whether that be seminars that I'm hosting, podcasts that I'm on, preparing for seminars that I'm hosting, meetings with like either a corporate client or um, some gym clients. Um, and my inbox. Did I mention my inbox? <laughs> <laughs> that can often um, up a lot of time, can't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so like I have some really heavy days. Like my consulting days are usually pretty massive. Um, I have some light days. So, you know, I have some days where it might be four or six hours of work. Um, I have some days where, yeah, it might be four hours of work, but then I decide I'm going to spend another five hours putting together some articles or getting some recipes ready to pop up on the blog or, um, you know, so I like hours are are intense when you're working for yourself, but, um, you choose when you work as well, which I love because I usually sort of get up early and smash out some work and then I might try and go and exercise outside while the sun's up um, or go and see a friend for a walk during the day and then I'll be working again that night. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that gives you an idea of the typical day, but maybe just a bit of a structure of my week and the things that have to fit in there. Yeah, that was good. It was really interesting to see how you do slot it all in and fit all those different components together. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so when it comes to it, (laughs) sounds like you've got your plate full. (laughs) So when it comes to um, consulting, is that through your business, Nutrition Alley, or is that a combination of your business and still with the natural nutritionist or how's that sort of work? How do you find the clients? Uh, Yeah, okay. So I am my business and then I I contract to the natural nutritionist and, and then I have my own clinic space down on the surf coast in Torquay um, that I also have um, clients at. So any work that I do as Ellie mm-hmm. um, will then direct um, ultimately clients through either one of those channels. Okay. Yeah. So um, if they're Melbourne based or if they're someone else, somewhere else in the world and they want an appointment when I'm um, when I'm scheduled to work for the natural nutritionist, then I see that client at the natural nutritionist. But if they're on the surf coast, or if they want an appointment on a Saturday or a Thursday night, which is when I when I am dedicating time to that clinic, um, then they'll come and see me there at that clinic. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so, um, my consulting was always was um, solely under the natural nutritionist, and then. Um, Midway through last year, I decided that I wanted an excuse to spend more time on the surf coast. <laughs> um, and so I um, found a little clinic space and, and started opening up hours there. Yeah. And 
um, I decided that I wanted to do it under Nutritionelli, yeah. just, you know, just, I guess, to again, get that experience of what it's like to have my own space and do the groundwork that it takes to sustain that. Um, yeah. And that's cool. Like I enjoy having both outlets and um, I, I enjoy the creativity that comes with having my own brand, having my own website, needing to speak to people on the surf coast and get them engaged. Like I enjoy that side of things. Yeah. Uh, and then at the same time, like I love being part of a team with the natural nutritionist and um, having other nutritionists around me and being really proud of that brand as well. So yeah. um, it's a great mix and I feel really lucky that somehow I've been able to navigate the two you know like I feel incredibly lucky yeah that sounds brilliant um mm -hmm. and so the seminars you run are they as part of what you do through Nutrition Alley or is that a bit of a combination as well and tell us a little bit about how often you run those might have changed now that seminars can't really happen but maybe yeah yeah <laughs> um that depends like I do seminars on the surf coast um and they'll they'll predominantly be under nutritionally and then yeah. um um I've got some corporate clients that uh, have found me through the natural nutritionist so yeah. that's done through the natural nutritionist and then I've got a number of gyms that I work with through the natural nutritionist so that's done that way as well oh cool um yeah, the seminars are wonderful and I thought they would completely dry up um, when COVID hit, but um, a lot of them we've just transitioned to Zoom seminars, which oh, cool. has been cool. Like I think um, people still want to feel like, you know, they're connected and learning and doing things. And so, yes, some like seminars have proceeded and I do some live seminars Um my corporate clients have been pre-recording some seminars so they can just pop those up on like their, their intranet or, you know, however they manage their wellness resources. Um, so yeah. 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 So they've, they've still been happening. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose, yeah, yeah, working with corporate clients, they'd probably be particularly focusing on their staff's well-being. So <laughs> I can see why there'd still yeah. be a really good demand for that. Yeah, well, the ones that have the luxury of focusing on it absolutely will be, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> having <laughs> uh, having worked solely in the corporate space for eight years, I know that, that, that sometimes that's what dissipates in times of, you know, struggle, yeah. you know, budgets get tighter and resources get restricted. But yeah. I think those companies that truly understand the value associated with their employee well-being like they yeah they'll be propping up their well-being programs right now as opposed to withdrawing yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so when it comes to building your own business and building up your client base what would you say some of the most important things are what would your advice be to anyone else who wants to do something similar <laughs> for those who can't see i'm taking a big breath in <laughs> i would say community yeah community of finding your people like finding the people who are going to want to connect with you whether it be ultimately your one-on-one -on -one clients whether it be that community of people that are going to help you find your one-on-one -on -one clients but community is is really important yeah like when when i had to um, get my client space up and running in torquay Mm -hmm. um, 
I instantly just reached out to local gyms and trainers who um, I, I knew were speaking to the same people that I wanted to speak to. Yeah. I reached out to GPs who were specialising in in holistic health and nutrition because I knew they were speaking to the same people that I wanted to speak to. Uh, and like, yeah, that's probably one of the best things I ever did down there on the surf coast in particular, but community because um, everyone wants to work with people that they like and they know and they trust. And if you, if you can develop that, then uh, you might not get a client next week, but you might get one in two years time. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say developing that community is probably like the, uh, probably that's probably how I would describe it community creating a community of people around you yeah definitely and I find that's minded yeah definitely yeah yeah mm. I find that to be a really important aspect and it is something that can be underestimated sometimes especially coming from like a more competitive mindset or something like that it's actually doing us yeah. a disservice whereas yes. we should be networking we should be um, have, building community and referrals and yeah, both with other health professionals and with the people that we want to serve. So I think that's really yeah. good advice, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I try not to try not to be sort of put off by other nutritionists or see yourself as competing with them. Yeah, and, it's not necessary. But, but yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've all got different um, people that will connect. We've all got different audiences, people that will connect yeah. in, in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there's, there's a, a lot of other things that you might want to be prepared for when starting your own business. But I, I guess when I think about sort of my experiences um, in, in directly working in business development at the Global Corporate Challenge and then sort of leaving there and um, starting to work on my own and with the natural nutritionists, like, yeah, community and, and, working with people meeting people speaking with people like that's all the stuff that has really helped me and of course you've yeah. got to have knowledge and you've got to be passionate and you've got to put in time but um community is really really important yeah a hundred percent one mm. other thing that you did mention earlier is that you managed the podcast at natural mm. nutritionist which is just yeah. name. what was it called it was the real food real yeah. and now it's the health happiness and humankind podcast. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your experience doing that. Cause that's obviously a really cool thing to be a part of. And podcasting is like a big thing these days and something that anyone can go into should they want to. So did you find yeah. that to be a valuable experience? Do you enjoy being involved? Even all those episodes that you've been involved in, like, yeah, tell us a bit about that and the fun that you've had with the podcast. Yeah. Oh my God, the fun and the challenges associated with the podcast. Um, so the Real Food Real or the Health, Happiness and Humankind pro um, podcast as it is now. Yeah. Um, historically has been like an interview-based podcast. Um, so, you know, my role was really making sure that interviews were, um, were lined up and ready for Steph to jump into and to do and that following that point, um, the sound file and the marketing material were all ready to then be um, put live um, on our podcast hosting platform. So I pretty much did the prep and the release and um, Steph was responsible for the recording and the, the actual sort of getting the, the content from the, the interviewee. So, yeah. Um, you know, I would reach out to potential guests or, or brainstorm potential guests, reach out to potential guests, get them lined up, 
um, get them on air with Steph and then I would pull the materials together, transcribe the podcast, get the marketing together and then get that onto the hosting platform um, so it was ready to go live. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there were some really intense times of, um, you know, guests not appearing because they live on the other side of the world and hadn't listened to the instructions on the time zone differences. Um, uh, but then also really cool in, you know, when you find an amazing guest and they absolutely light up on the episode and, you know, um, Steph talks about how fun it was to have that interview. Like, that's the stuff that made working on the podcast really cool. Yeah. And then we transitioned the model um, well, about a year and a half ago, we transitioned the model. So it wasn't all reliant on a different guest each week. We sort of created a panel of um, a panel of guests. So that's yeah. sort of where the podcast sits now. There's like a panel of, I think about six or so regular guests, essentially so that we know and trust that they're going to rock up to their interview time when they've been given the interview time. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so we know and trust that they're going to be interesting and bring something to the episode. Cause I guess, I think there were a few occasions where um, I'd line someone up to speak with Steph because I thought sort of the books they'd written or some of the podcasts I'd heard them on previously were really exciting. But then when they get on air with Steph, you know, she can barely get them to light up, you know, and that's not an interesting <laughs> podcast to listen to. So now there's, you know, a trusted, a trusted panel of guests who are on the show with Steph and um, our audience, I guess, come to really know that, that sort of suite of guests. And I'm now one of the guests on there. Um, I don't manage it at all anymore. So I'm, um, I'm not overly upset about that. Like I said before, mm -hmm. admin isn't necessarily a strong suit of mine. Um, I'd much prefer to be talking one-on-one -on -one with people or researching um, different areas of health and nutrition or doing seminars, that sort of stuff. Yeah, nice. And do you enjoy being a guest on the podcast and yeah, providing all your knowledge on those episodes? Yeah, I do. Like um, it's definitely taken, I think, a little bit of time to build confidence into being on the podcast yeah. you know um Steph is so incredibly knowledgeable and uh, the guests that have previously been on the real food real sort of like some, you know some of them have written like multiple books and they've got you know multiple post grads and so just an amazing some amazing guests um so yeah, I've had to definitely build up my confidence in being on the show, but yeah, I love chatting on the show because it's sort of, uh, I guess, a more formal version of the chats that Steph and I have been having behind the scenes for many, many years. <laughs> yeah. um, I have to try not to go into sort of couch mode when I'm on the podcast, but yeah, yeah. it's good having, it's, it's nice. It's a nice outlet. It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah amazing. Yeah. We'll all have to tune into some of those episodes with you. Yeah, a friend, um, a friend of mine actually messaged me the other day and she had like four, she sent a screen grab of like four episodes of mine lined up and she was yeah. like, this is what I'm listening to over the next couple of days. And I was like, oh my God, I hope you don't die. You're going to get sick of the sound of my voice. Um, <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> yeah, go and listen to one or two and share yeah. some feedback with me. That would be cool for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to tuning into those. Yeah. So what would you say some of your vision or some of your goals for the future and your vision is at the moment? Um, I always want to enjoy what I do. I like, 
and do it because I enjoy it. Like that for me is success, like being able to, to love what I do and um, be able to put food on the table or um, not live with stress as not have sort of stress about money. Like that for me is success. Do what you love doing and yeah. create freedom for yourself. Um, so like that's my vision. That's my vision. Like that's what I'm always that, like, I guess I'm there now, but I'm still always working towards that and making and making that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to be able to have a book one day. Yeah. Um, I think that like that's one of the more tangible things that I would that I would love to do and have. I don't put any massive requirements on that though. Like, mm-hmm. it might happen when I'm fifty. If it does, I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would, I also am in the process of putting together an online program. So um, my website is uh, like for me, my vision for my website is to be a home and a platform for really accessible plant-based food and knowledge. Um, So I've been predominantly plant-based like ups and downs, but predominantly plant-based since 2011 Mm -hmm. and um, I just want, like, I really want people to know how to cook with less meat, um, yeah. how to rely less on animal protein. And so I guess my vision for the future is to bring that to people, whether it be through recipes on my website, reading on my website, um, an online program, a book. Uh, I, I want to help educate people on how to rely less on meat. Yeah. Um, for me, the reason I came, became plant-based was because of um, food sustainability and knowledge, this understanding of the fact that the way we were producing or the way we have been producing meat has become so derailed because demand for meat is so great. You know, yeah. we've got to pump animals full of hormones and antibiotics and crowd them into tiny little spaces yeah. because we as the consumer are asking for that. Like we need meat that much that we're forcing um, production to happen in that way yeah. and I think asking people to be vegan or vegetarian is it's intimidating and it's too much but asking people to just use a little less meat and rely a little more on plants I think that's doable oh, absolutely. And so yeah that's my vision for the future like helping to inspire and motivate that and of course yeah. you know what I do day to day is 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 um I guess it's inadvertently that when I'm working with people one-on-one, it's a lot more specific to their case. Um, but I can't tell you the number of clients who, you know, I may have been working with them for a little while and then they put their hand up and say, Oh yeah, I think I want to go more plant-based. And they probably don't realize that since they've worked with me, they've been eating more plants than they ever have. Um, but then they realize like, okay, I want all the plants, but I want to start taking away some of the meat. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, but it's not it's it's not outwardly how I practice. So I wouldn't say that I'm like a vegan nutritionist. You know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't just come and see me because because you want to be plant based. Um, yeah. But like ultimately, that's sort of my vision is to help make that um, is to help make plant based nutrition a lot more accessible for people and a lot less intimidating. Yeah, that's brilliant. I like that. Um, and what would you say you attribute your success to to date? Um, I was just going to say, am I successful? But I guess I am. Like I'm doing <laughs> what are. I want to do. I'm happy doing what I want to do when I can still <laughs> um, uh, live live a wonderful life. Yeah. Um, 
maybe I've already answered those questions. It's, you know, thinking about what will what will make me happy tomorrow. Like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I, I have spent a lot of time not thinking that way, you know, yes. thinking too far down the track, what's going to please mum and dad or what's expected of me. What are my friends doing? And um, being completely led down the wrong path trying to do that and so when I come back to what will make me happy that is what tends to have what has put me on the right path yeah yeah Yeah. I haven't followed the conventional path (laughs) um and so I would say yeah maybe part of my success is is trying to follow what truly lights me up yeah I also would admit that I'm a bloody hard worker. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I always, I always immerse myself in what I'm doing not because I feel I have to, but because I want to, and I want to see the best outcomes possible, um, you know, yeah. for her, who, whoever my client is. Um, yeah. So maybe that's it as well. It, it's, um, it's working hard, putting in the groundwork. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely a combination and yeah, you're doing really well, whatever you're doing. So keep it up. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) Is that solid enough advice for people? What's, what's helped to get me, what's helped? I think it is because I think that's like really powerful message to do what you love and do it now and to work hard at it. I think like doesn't get much more powerful than that really. Like, cause in the sense, like when you were describing what success is to you and you were saying, I'm already like I guess I'm already embodying that like you are and that's one of the best things we can take away just like find your definition of success and bring that into your day every day and I love how you wrap it all up in feelings as well because we can always get distracted by shiny objects or things or I want to do this thing or that thing but then we can be really down on ourselves if that doesn't happen right away but if you attach to the feeling associated with that like the feeling of doing what you love and the feeling of being free and that sort of thing then you can embody that right now yeah. So, yeah. so I think, yeah, I think that's brilliant advice what you've provided, definitely. <laughs> okay, good, good, bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? Ooh, um, definitely read. Um, you know, I think I heard once that um, most CEOs read around about 60 books per year. Yeah. Crazy. I don't read that many, which is probably why I don't have the title of CEO, but definitely read. You're your own um, CEO. You are one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm chief everything officer. Um, I would, there's a book that really always stands out in my mind and it's called the power of habit. Yeah. Um, and I say that book because it's helped me like, um, I guess I am fairly habit driven, but that book really helps to highlight like how the world's most successful people leverage habit. Um, So it's helped me individually, but then I also draw on that for my clients as well, like helping Mm -hmm. them to understand that everything they do in their day is really built on a habit loop. Um, And so when they can understand that, they can start to break down those habit loops. And I don't know, that comes up a lot in conversation when you're trying to get people to to change the way they eat, <laughs> you know, change, change what they do. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's called the power of habit um, yeah. by Charles Duhigg. 
I have read that book like probably four times. It's <laughs> <laughs> a sign of a good one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. Habits yeah. are powerful. So that's, yeah, it sounds like a really good book. Yeah. yeah. What about you? What's one of your most um, uh, outstanding books that you've read? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say The Code of the Extraordinary Mind by Vishen Lakhiani, which is all about like he goes through 12 different traits of having a successful mind. And so it does touch on things like habits. It touches on things like asking the right kind of questions about what you want in life, um, not necessarily just going with the status quo and following the normal structure of society and just doing what you love and, yeah, forging yeah. a life that you love. So, yeah, I love all that sort That's of stuff. <laughs> Cool. It's probably quite in theme with our chat today. Yeah, then. absolutely. Yeah, very on topic. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Amazing. I feel like I could ask you so many more questions, but I am aware it has been quite a bit of your time. <laughs> so before we do fully wrap up, is there any parting words of advice or um, yeah, anything you want to impart on the listeners before we do close up today? Um, I think... I think I've sort of dripped those throughout the, the conversation today. Um, I would say get in touch with me if you if you want to ask questions after this episode or you want to learn more. Um, and, I, and I say that because, like I said in the beginning, I had I just didn't respect and understand the lecturers that I had in front of me and I was probably wanting to leave the lecture theatre as quickly as I could after university or I was too intimidated because I thought they had way better other things to do than to answer the questions of me who was one of 120 in a lecture theatre and so I probably missed out on opportunities by not going and speaking and asking great questions so I just if you want to reach out to me and if you have something to ask then like send me a dm on instagram or um, send me an email and if it's something that I can think I if I think that I can quickly answer in, via email then I absolutely will yeah um just because i think um yeah we need to feel like we're connected and we can we can learn from one another definitely and it comes back to that community doesn't it yeah yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> definitely yeah. <laughs> that leads in quite well to where can people find you where can they follow along your journey and reach out to you where's the best place yeah so you can um go to my website which is a growing hub of um insight and recipes and that is nutritionally.com so nutrition with ellie at the end yep. um my instagram handle is the same so it's nutritionally and they're probably the two best places to find me yeah go from there yeah brilliant well thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all this incredible advice and your experience i'm yeah blown away by how much you've done and it's been so interesting hearing your evolution and what you do today very inspiring. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Shana. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it, and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Mm-hmm.